Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Hey guys, what's up, Aries? Oh, Andy! Oh God! You know, <clears throat> I'm. I'm. Sometimes, folks, before we start <clears throat> recording the podcast, just to give you a little back inside uh, information, kind of like behind the scenes when you show the making of a movie. This is some behind the scenes shit. Um, <clears throat> usually Andy and I will just quickly in our heads or we'll quickly say to each other, Hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And sometimes we end up talking about it even before we record it. And then we have to put a pin in it because we don't want to waste it. It's like save it for the podcast. So I have been mulling this over and basically you're going to hear Andy Answer me for the first time because I'm asking him this now as opposed to what we would normally do, which is to have a pre-discussion and then go, let's come up with an agreement and then we dive right in. So this is straight up me asking him and saying to him without a pre-discussion, do you mind if normally we would do the regular stuff on Wednesday where we talk about whatever and then on Thursday we do the email podcast. But if it's okay with you, Andy, I'd like to make this Wednesday what they're listening to now an email episode. Sure. And if you want, we got enough emails to where if you want to put out another one, emails part two on Thursday, we can do that. And here's the reason why I'm I'm doing this or I'm asking this is because you've heard me say that Andy has said to me, sometimes you have to make better decisions and do what's right for business. And uh, I'm hard-headed and stubborn. So a lot of times I'd like to try to do that, but I say fuck it and go with what my gut tells me. Allah, I have Michael Corleone desires, but Sonny Corleone execution. So now I'm going to try to be Michael. Um, 
we're here in Mississippi. And I don't want to do what's bad for business. And there's a lot of things I want to say, but I don't know how to be truthful in saying those things without being doing shit that's bad for business. Um, so that being said, we could do this. Can we do an email? Make yeah. this just emails? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. So uh, to pay homage to Mississippi. Oh, Steve, tell him about the gun line ball. <laughs> I will say this before we dive into the emails. It's hot as a motherfucker in here. For some reason, the AC in the hotel doesn't work. And your room, my room, uh, Mike Ware Jr., the, the one of the, the owners of the comedy club we're at, hit the whole fuck. He's staying here. It's, dude, I just asked you for a towel because I'm sweating already. And we ain't even deep into this shit. If this shit feels like a, a time to kill. Like, everything is sweating. Like, that movie, everybody was sweating as it was just so hot down there. It just, it's fucking hot, dude. When, when I was real young, we used to come out to, uh, my uncle lived in Texas and Louisiana, and also uh, Louisiana. He kind of just went back and forth. And uh, we came out here. No one even had AC. Everybody just had fans. They would all sit in front of their fans and drink iced tea, man. Yeah, and, and the myth about fans is that it keeps you cool only when it's not hot out. Because when it's hot out, that air is hot. It's just, it's just blowing on you. It's the sweat is cooling you down when the air blows oh, over your sweat. Jesus. And that's what cools you off. Okay. Dude, remember, I think this, is, this may be the third time. Remember when, prior to this email I'm about to read, there's only been two other times when I've gotten emails that made me put the bat signal in the air. I've, I've been sitting on this email for the last four days. I just hadn't read it yet. So I just read it. And my show is being attacked, The Sopranos, in a way that's beyond disrespectful. <laughs> so pardon me as I put on my surgical gloves because I'm about to give a guy a new butthole. Um, <clears throat> so let's dive right in. This is from... Renee Rodriguez, and I thought this was a woman, but then as I continued to read, it's clearly from a dude. He goes, Sopranos review. Sorry for the long email. And you know what? Before I read this, I'm glad I'm reading this in front of you, Andy, because I know you like the Sopranos. Yeah. You love the Sopranos. Yeah. Okay. So this is a gangbang butthole rip. Uh, between Andy and me, you're going to have three assholes. Um, <laughs> Mr. Spears. <clears throat> I just finished watching The Sopranos last night. Uh, listen to your The Chemist versus The Godfather episode just to get into your mindset and see if we can come to some agreement. With that being said, I will say it was a good show. It was definitely better than The Game of Thrones, although both were more about the storyline. I guess that's the only good I have to say about it because I was too caught up on what I didn't like. And you will hate me for what I'm about to say in regards to what I don't like. Bear with me because it's a lot. Fade to, bl fade to black. First, let me start by adding to what you and Andy talked about. 
when you said you knew who was boss and who the man was from the first episode and you felt his power, I didn't get that. In fact, I got he I got and always got this is a weak man. Okay. He passes out under pressure and he's seeing a therapist. I got the same feeling everyone in his circle got when they found out he was seeing one. In fact, at the end when he uh, at the end when he, when she finds out he's only seeing her to justify his status proves that him seeing her was like him beating up his driver after he left the hospital. He was trying to keep control, not just over his crew and his family, but more control to himself. He was bound to break, and I'm surprised it took six seasons. And it and really it took the first episode when he passed out. That showed me weakness more than power. Um, I'm trying to see if I should stop there and address this first. Okay, let me, let me, let me come to you. The only thing intimidating was his size. I felt Chrissy was more intimidating just because how wild he was, but he also had control over situations, not of himself and his addiction, but control over himself to make the right decisions. Or maybe I'm going to East and Chrissy because he's my favorite character. Mm, I'm just trying to decide, people, if I want to dive in more. Because I know the first thing I want to say. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop after I read this next one. Now for the meat and potatoes. For the reason I just said above, I didn't like Tony. I didn't feel threatened by him and didn't get a sense of power from him. I didn't like most of the characters and most of the storyline. I'll start with Tony again. Not only did I not like Tony as a character, I don't like how James played him. The way you felt disturbed watching Amari Hardwick giving women the business. Um, I felt repulsed by watching Tony. I really felt that wasn't believable at all. I even asked my wife, what is it? She said power. I'm like, I get that. But here's what the theory, here's where the theory doesn't fit. He claims to be in waste management. What woman would want to fuck a guard? Okay, this is where I got to stop. Okay, first of all, um, sir. You are what we call one of those people. When Andy and I perform, and if we perform in front of a room of 300, and we make 299 laugh, there's always the one person (laughs) who doesn't get it. They don't want to get it. They don't refuse to have a good time. And they got that sourpuss look on their face. You are that person. I guarantee you. If you poll a gazillion people, the percentage of them asking the question being asked, is the Sopranos great or trash? The overwhelming percentage would be towards phenomenal. It's never going to be 100%. You are in that small percentile. Um, Because look, I've actually heard people say this. Michael Jordan's overrated. If you want to say you don't like him, if you want to say you like somebody better than him, fine. But to use the word overrated, are you out of your fucking mind? And listen, there are people out there who didn't think Ali was the greatest. There are people who have seen Michael Jackson perform and went, nah, don't get it. 
You are one of those people. <laughs> That's who you are. So let's address a few things. Number one, Andy, Tony was not intimidating? Tony was intimidating. He had a whole crew of people that followed him. He was intimidating. The character, that when you saw the, him going to uh, needing some help, it was to give you an insight to a human uh, that he could be. Uh, I swallowed that wrong. <laughs> Yeah, you could be uh, you could be a mob boss. You could have a family. You could actually order people's executions. You could run a huge business and still have be flawed. And that's that's what the purpose of the that's what I thought the insight was in this. James Gandolfini in real life, and I've seen the TMZ videos <coughs> when paparazzi, whenever they invaded his space, he went after you, and he had a very if, if, if dogs could be humans, fuck a pit bull. He was a bulldog. He was a bulldog. The man was over six feet, like damn near six feet tall, uh, a gazillion pounds. His jaw, his face, he had a physical presence. I remember that scene. And listen, intimidation is not always about muscle. It's not the obvious. It's not the rock being able to throw you across the room. The most intimidating people are the people who don't get physical. And there's that great scene in The Sopranos when um, Tony and Artie are eating in the restaurant and they see the guy sitting across from them with the baseball hat on. And Tony goes over to him and says, hey, take your hat off. You're not in a fucking uh, whatever he called it. You're not in a ball game. And the guy basically told Tony to fuck off. I'm not taking off my hat. And Tony goes, take your hat off. They don't serve hot dogs here. The guy again won't take his hat off. And Tony just stares him down. Doesn't threaten him not once. I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to break something. He just stares him down. And you hear him. And, and dude, this email guy says something, but I'm going to jump to what he said. Breathing. You hear Tony. And the dude, as he's staring at Tony, slowly takes his hat off. And then Tony goes, "Have a enjoy your evening. And sends him a bottle of wine. Come on, man. That's intimidating. You know, there were so many moments in the show where he would do things without words. Without words. I mean, not, I mean, without action, but words and a look. I don't get where you get that he wasn't intimidating. Secondly, your own woman said power. And I remember when we talked about this before, Andy, you said that. You go, um... Women find power sexy. And, and you go, I'm repulsed by him. Dude, first of all, James Gandolfini was a decent looking dude. You know, uh, and many women found him attractive both as Tony Soprano and as himself as James Gandolfini. Power sexy. If your own woman is telling you what it is, trust her. <laughs> trust her. You found him repulsive. Was your dick supposed to get hard? Your woman's wet. Trust her. Um, <clears throat> what else? The garbage business. Oh, yeah, dude, it's a front. Well, not only is it a front, but just because you're in the garbage business, which is was something that the uh, the mob was known for running, though they aren't picking up the trash, right? They're paying other people to pick up the trash, and they're making a ton of money. He's the owner. He's the owner. You might want to. You might fuck the basketball player, but you marry the owner. 
understand what I'm saying? He's not picking up the garbage. And it wouldn't have made a, a difference if he was a candy man and sold lollipops. It was a front. That was not his real business. Uh, what else? Oh, Christopher. Christopher. If you really paid attention to the show, Christopher didn't make smart decisions. No, he made the weakest decisions. The weakest decisions. There were times, several times, when Tony would tell him, you're made now. You need to do better. You need to get your shit together. I'm putting you in a position to take the reins when I'm gone. You're my nephew. This is going to all go to you. You're my heir. Dude, you got you got to smarten the fuck up. <sighs> this really this really is about you just didn't like the show. Because the shit you're saying is bullshit. But there's more. But he has a right not to like the show. That's okay. But he doesn't have a right to make invalid points. Okay. Um... Does it fit? It's be a waste. Well, well, for garbage man. Oh, that's not. And either way, I don't buy it. Not to mention the heavy breathing. That shit bothered me so much. Them, them is fat man noises, nigga. You can't do nothing about that. <laughs> that's all it is. It's fat. I make them noises. I'm making those noises. I'm only junior fat. Okay, so yeah, you got to excuse that, brother. Now the kids. <clears throat> I couldn't stand Meadow and AJ. I felt that the writers didn't know how to incorporate them into the story and just gave them shit to say to put them in. Matter of fact, they got so lazy with the development of the two that they gave them the same role, meaning they recycled their storylines. I don't get that. In the end, AJ became Meadow. I don't understand what he means by that. AJ became Meadow. He tried to commit suicide and was depressed and was lazy and damn near stupid. Where Meadow... Goes on to become smart and intelligent and headstrong. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get what he's referencing. I do understand though that uh, that it's as a, a guy who's supposed to be running the family. This is the opening that they were giving you is to see that he still has the same troubles everyone else has with their children. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, now it takes me back to something he said earlier. So you thought it was weak because he saw a therapist. You thought it was weak because, and, and, and then he further goes in to say something about the kids. But I thought that was part of the genius, which is showing you everything we've ever seen about mob guys. There's almost no, no weaknesses. There's no flaws. They're just fucking killing machines. The fact that this guy uh, saw a therapist because like, meant, like most people, he had human issues. He wasn't just a mob guy. He was a father. He was a married man. He had troubles at home. Which allows you to relate to him that you couldn't relate to other bad guys. Or the, the, and, and you didn't see him as a bad guy because you saw his issues that you have. Right. So you saw him as a person, not just the bad guy. Like, right. not, not, say hello to the bad guy, the right. Scarface right. guy. Right, right, right. You saw the, the, the person, the human. But there's also another tell, uh, part of this. When, uh, what's important to that storyline is he's telling you all the bad stuff that he's doing that actually hurts him when uh, hurts him emotionally or ha he has an issue with emotionally when he's talking to his therapist. Right. And you wouldn't get that if you would just watch the, the bad guy because you would never you would never understand how that would affect someone. You would just think as someone is uh, uh, these guys aren't necessarily psychopaths. They right. might have feelings towards some of this. And that's what that was the window that they gave you. But he also had a business to do. And that was his business. Right. And you entered into your into the business with them. There was certain repercussions for it. If you if you fucked up 
And so that, it, I think it's way more honest the way they did it, the way that they showed you a human. And, and not only that, some of the best scenes were between him and Dr. Melfi. Right. When he, when, when, when he was describing uh, his son's suicide and how he got, how he got emotional behind it. Or, or when his son was sick and he said, you know, you would do anything for your kids. Like, you know, some of those conversations between him and Melfi were fucking fantastic. Right. I love that line when he goes, uh, you know, sometimes what you're doing here is like taking a shit. And she goes, I prefer to think of it more like childbirth. Nah, it's like taking a shit. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. And, and because he had panic attacks, that made him weak. People... The, People have panic attacks. He's exempt. Why? Because he's a mob guy. Again, the fact that he's flawed and 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 human. I, I agree with Andy. You could relate to him. I think those are great things. That's how you can get into the story in a different way. This story wasn't told uh, from outside the window, like you were watching uh, a story about a mobster. This right. this story is told inside his house. Right. So it, it's different. And maybe you were expecting something different. That's fine. You can expect something different. Um, both ended up crying in their rooms over some breakup. Over some breakup. You mean a divorce? Kids crying over a divorce? That's, that's out of the realm of reality? Um, <clears throat> both ended up wanting to become some part of law. I kind of wish two things just to make the story better. One, AJ did go through with his suicide. Or two, they made the Sopranos not have kids. Here's why. Before I continue reading, I will give you this. It might have been an interesting dynamic to see how Tony developed if his son did kill himself. Yeah. How, how him and Carmela would have been able to cope and how that changes the dynamic of the family with their son having committed suicide. I'll give you that. Um, or Sopranos not have kids. Here's why. That threatening persona that you say Tony has would have been absolute power. If Tony at the end lost his son in the midst of a war, he would have gone out in a blaze of glory. He would have lost his mind, and we would really get to see the Tony we wanted to see. And then he puts in parentheses some Tony Montana shit. But we've seen that. See, he, he is. He's looking at it from he wants to see the bad guy. When Tony wouldn't lose his mind like that, because one of the reasons he's trying to save his mind by going to the therapist is because he's actually a calculated business person. Bravo. Um, with that said, if he didn't have kids, the result would be the same. Imagine if he didn't have kids. He'd be a man with nothing to lose throughout the show. And that's dangerous. I disagree. The opposite. Because he, him going to jail, him being killed, his kids, his family having to carry on, him having something to lose, I think, makes it more valid. I, I, think, I, I think it makes it more valid in terms of, hey, this guy is a real person and not some movie persona. Well, also, the Carmelo become, Carmela becomes insignificant if they don't have kids. Because she's the mom, she's right. the family, she's the glue right. that holds it all together. So that becomes uh, a, a story just about Tony Soprano, the way you're the way you're going through this. And when you you brought up Scarface a little bit, the way uh, you, you you mentioned something that sounded Scarfacious, right. uh, he had something to lose. And you know he thought it was his girl, his girlfriend. He thought it was Michelle Pfeiffer that he's losing her, but it was really his sister that, that he cared about emotionally. And right. so the story of something to lose is always the most important part of the story. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
I didn't like him at all from the beginning, but the hate for him didn't come until he killed the only person I really liked in the show, and that was Chrissy. I wanted Tony dead by any means after that. So when they shot him in the end, I was fucking glad. But we don't know that that happened. We don't know. It's speculation. Um, uh, I had no problem with the way the show ended. And for those who wanted to see it, just watch how Phil Leotardo dies. It's pretty much the same thing. They both got shot from the side and didn't see it coming. Yeah, but we actually saw Phil get shot. We didn't see Tony get shot. See, I disagree about the ending. And I know even Chase has been on and he's kind of related to it. But here's the thing. And I want to I put, put this out there because we're, we're on this right now. And I was even thinking about this today before you even told me we we're going to talk about this. Because I, I saw an article where Chase said, again, that, you know, he, he's hinted that Tony is dead. Tony didn't die. He may have died. But as far as I'm concerned, Tony didn't die because we did not watch that show through Tony's eyes. We watched Tony. We watched what he did, but we didn't watch it through his eyes. We were a, a window. We were in the room with Tony. We saw everything he did. If you watch the end of the show, the last, the, 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 the final show, we actually, Tony's inside the restaurant. We go outside. The, the car's trying to park, and that whole parking scene over and over, that parallel parking, we're outside. We come into the room, and it goes blank. If Tony died, and we're watching the show from our perspective, we would see Tony die. If we got killed, if you as the viewer are the one that's, that, that's taken out, it goes black. You don't see anything after that. That's why I refuse to believe whatever anybody's saying, we're the ones that are taken out, which makes sense because it was the last episode. Bam, you're out. And I like that better. I, I, and, and listen, do we know if that's really what it is? If, even if Dave, unless David Chase himself said exactly what Andy just said. That's speculation still. But, and he still really never has confirmed it. He, he throws little things out there to make everybody stay interested. But right. I say we're dead. I say it's us because when you go out, it, and they say that when they're talking about empathy, you don't even know what's happening. It just goes blank. It's good. Right. So that's one of the, when they were on the boat. That was one of the, I, I forgot how many episodes before, but they're on the boat. And he says, when you die, it's nothing. It's just, it right. just goes blank. So if Tony's dead, why don't we see Carmella? Right. Why don't we see anything else that's going on in the restaurant anymore? We're the ones that got killed. And and now that you mentioned boat, that even brings me to another. I got to go back a little bit to when you talk about Tony being intimidating. Again, if everything was one way, Tony Montana, fuck you, kill everybody. That's cool. But to and listen, in a movie, two hours, it's a movie. Once you see it one time, that's it. So, yeah, give us all the hard shit for two hours. We're talking about six years. This is a series. So he can't be that one-dimensional. And one of my favorite moments of intimidation with a twist of humor is when Tony uh, bought the house, the White Caps, the house near the beach. And uh, he was buying it, but then he didn't want to buy it. So the realtor didn't want to give him his money back. So he takes his boat and parks it in the, in the water near, you know, the realtor's house. And he turns the speakers all the way up. And he keeps playing uh, Dean Martin music at full volume where the, the realtor can't get sleep, 
when he has dinner parties, they can't eat in peace and, and talk amongst each other because this music is blaring from the water. Tony never said, give me my money or I'm going to fuck you up. But he sent the message. I'm going to make life hell for you if you don't do it. And it was a funny way to do it. Which And the reason I always think that Tony's smart and the way that they go about this and the writing was so smart is because um, the gambling, the guy in the very first episode that we're talking about where uh, he runs over the guy that owes, owes the money and right. he was talking shit about him. Right. He entered into their life because he's gambling with them. He bets with he was bets with them. Right. So for that reason, he gets to run him over. Right. Because they're involved. He that guy entered that world. Right. The real estate agent was a business world and their money just moved from the, in the business world. So Tony doesn't take him out the same way that he would take out someone. Right. Because he's a businessman when he needs to be a businessman. Right. And he's the mafia dude when he's the mafia dude. Right. This is the genius of the writing of the show that I think people miss. Right. <clears throat> um, as far as Chrissy goes, the storyline between him and Paulie was misleading. They created this love-hate thing at the end turned out to be pure hatred. Rewind, rewind to this broken storyline that led to nowhere. One of many, he puts in parentheses. When they, when they both go after the Russian dude they thought was dead. That's where you see their relationship develop. I say that storyline was broken because they don't tell us what happened to the Russian. Exactly! That's kind of genius! Yeah. We know he got away because the car was gone, but after that, we don't hear nothing about him or the Russians Tony is dealing with. Now, let me stop you for a second. Again, I said this before. The only episodes I didn't like of The Sopranos was the dream sequences. And I threw one in one, in, I threw in one other episode that wasn't a dream sequence, and that was when Dr. Melfi got raped because I didn't like that Tony didn't do nothing to this guy. When, and, and, and the way they ended it, where she was crying, basically falling in his arms, and he kept going, what? What? And you were going, tell him. Tell him. And then they cut the black. She doesn't tell him. I, I just, for me, I just wanted Tony to fuck this nigga up because the rape was so brutal. But I watched the episode a couple times again. And when I first saw it, I went, I'll never watch this episode again. I was so disgusted because I wanted Tony to get him. But then I watched it again, and I'll probably watch it about two or three more times, and I, and I, and I softened my stance. I went, you know, I still don't like that she doesn't tell him and he doesn't do anything, but it's not a bad episode. It really isn't. And with the Russian, I thought that was kind of genius that we don't know what happened. We know he got away, but is he going to come back? Does he tell Tony? Is he going to get Christopher? I thought that was genius, man. Uh, the Melfi part about the rape, though, that shows who she is, though, because she didn't want to put Tony in a position where he would do what you're saying he would do. Right. She didn't want to put Tony in that position. But she was also struggling with, if I do that and he does something... I'm part of that crime element. Exactly. And she didn't want to be associated I, yeah, with that. Because then she's entering that world, kind of. Right. But she wanted badly to tell him. Yeah. Because she wanted him to get fucked up. Of course she did. But I think she also didn't want to have Tony... Well, like you just said, that's a better way to put it. She didn't want to have Tony kill someone on her behalf because then, she, like you said, right. she's involved. Right. But she, that, I, I looked at it as a little bit more like protecting Tony, but she was, was protecting herself as well. So right. you're right. Um... 
They all disappear from the show entirely. Fast forward to the bar scene when Chris apologizes to Paulie. They built this hatred and tension up so much that I wish Chrissy killed Paulie at that moment, especially after insulting his baby girl that he was praising. No man would let that slide. Dude, they're mobsters. They have orders. There's a chain of command. They can't just off motherfuckers because they feel like it. And, and, and babe, Chris being his favorite character, he's the one that should have been offed multiple times throughout the whole series. Right. <laughs> when Tony finds out he's doing heroin again, right. that, that she should be, he should be done. Right, right. Um, no man would let that slide. Instead, he goes off and shoots the writer and comes home stumbling, fixes the tree and closes the, closes the door credits. Next episode, Chris and Tony are at a meeting about asbestos being dumped. They drive home and get into the car, get into a car accident, and this motherfucker kills Chris. I wish it was Paulie who did it or even the Russian guy. That would have made more sense, but no. Dude, you're not tracking or paying attention to this show. The reason why he killed Chris was because Chris was bad for business. And like Andy just said, he had a million reasons to off Chris way earlier, but didn't because it was his nephew. But once Chris, and if you notice in that episode, Chris's attention is not even on business. Chris, is, Chris really mentally was out the door. He wanted to be a movie producer, a writer. He really didn't want the mob life no more. He wasn't concentrating. And Tony killed him for that reason. Because he was like, dude, you're not, even, you're not even worth it anymore. So come on, man. And that really, when you think about it, is almost an ode to uh, The Godfather with, with Michael Corleone, Corleone, Corleone killing Vito. His older brother, his young, was older, yeah, my, young, my older, his older brother. Yeah, because he went against the family. Yeah. And he's dangerous, and Chris is dangerous to the family. Yes. Uh, let me see. Ba, ba, ba. I'm sorry. Give me a second. Uh, okay, yeah. The storyline with Vito. That was good. But again, here's the issue. When he goes to New Hampshire and meets that guy, it's all good. He really had no reason to come back, but he does. I'd like to think it's because he was running out of money, but he tried to buy his way back and gave that guy 20K to put a word in for him. So money wasn't the issue. Again, you're not paying attention. It had nothing to do with money. He missed the life. There was that scene where he gets involved in cutting the power line uh, and that he's sitting around the table with all the other firemen. And at one point he goes, hey, who's up for darts? Or a little pool. And everybody goes, nah, I got to get up in the morning. I got to go to work. He goes, come on, guys. The night's just getting started where I'm from. He missed the life. He missed the, 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 the mobster life. Had nothing to do with money. Um, then he dies, and they show the most unimportant, obsolete, irrelevant character to react to the fucking new, to the news. To react to the news. The fucking photographer, meaning like his gay lover. They built up this storyline about him and his lover that led to nowhere. It was over once he left. When Vito packed up and, and the next morning when he gets up and, and uh, he opens the drawers and the, and, and the dresses and sees his clothes gone, he left. And, he, and Vito was driving and was drinking and then he gets into the, to the accident and he shoots the guy. The storyline's over. What do you mean it went nowhere? It's over. 
it would have made sense to show this car- to show his lover's reaction to the news so we can have closure on that. But no, the storyline with Vito's son also led to nowhere. They added that story in just to drag him out at night, and that's it. They could have been entire that could have been entirely left out. It would have at least been nice if they wrote him back in and see and we see him and AJ in the mental hospital. His sister I couldn't stand. That's all I have to say about that. The storyline with his mother should have ended in one season so we wouldn't have to see the bullshit CGI they pulled and again recycled lines they used for her to make it seem like she was still alive. She died while they were filming. They had to do that to, because of what they already had in development. Oh, it, it wasn't. It, they, they they minimized her character as much as possible because of that. Yeah, his psych, his psych, his psychiatrist storyline was good. They were on to something and then gave up on that. I really wish, as he puts in parentheses, as I'm sure everyone did, that she that she told Tony about her rape. At least when at least when she wasn't seeing him as doctor patient. That was the perfect time to do it. Oh, well, I'm reading this part for the first time, but we explain that. Or hell, even when he asked her, maybe that would have made, made me like him, and I didn't get that. I feel like maybe that's what's missing in his character was his role as a protector, a, as a boss. Fuck that. As a man, it's in us to be a protector. The only time I saw that in him was when the guy fucked with Meadow at the restaurant and he kicked his head in. Dude, do you understand that everything Tony did was for his family? Good or bad, agree, disagree. He was the ultimate protector. Even his side bitches he protected and tried to look out for. Also, the storyline with the housing projects led to nowhere. Overall, it was a good show. As tedious as it was watching it, it it was as violent as you say it is. I can only count maybe three gruesome scenes, but they didn't really show it. Ralph beating up the stripper, Ralph getting cut up, Phil getting crushed by the tire. That one to soprano scale has to go because I don't see it as that. And he puts the word that in caps. Um, I didn't see it as that great of a show. It did its job by, by being entertaining, but that's it. I wouldn't watch it again, but I could at least say I've seen it. That, that is all. Thanks for sticking through this long email. And again, sorry, it's this long, but I have to give the details. P.S. Here's my list of shows from best to okay, or how you'd like to say, one to Sopranos. Breaking Bad, number one. Sons of Anarchy, number two. Power, number three. Oz, number four. Hells on Wheels, number five. The Sopranos, The Wire, Dexter, Bates Motel, Game of Thrones. Ozark is not on the list yet because it's still an ongoing show, but imagine it will be on my list, maybe under power. Dude, I can't put after that season two of Ozark. I ain't putting. I can't put it up there. That that I, I can't believe that they made us do that season. He puts power over Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah, you one of them people, dog. You just one of them people. You you just it don't matter how great it is. You have to have the Sour Patch face. You're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your mind. I, I got to, not, not towards what he's saying, but I got to be, I, I really have, as I look at power and think about it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not bad as I, as I, as some of the scene. There's just moments that, that gets me yeah, pissed I off. I get you. I get but, you. But uh, 
I, I'm liking that one. I, I, I don't, I'm not against his choices of uh, shows that he liked, though. I'm not either. But and, and again, I'm not even saying you got to put Sopranos number one. But your assessment is insane. Well, to assess the way he did Sopranos and still have Game of Thrones it, when he's talking about tedious. Right. Come on, man. Like, dude, again, that episode where when Tony gets out of the hospital and he beats up the big chiseled guy. That's the per. The, 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 his whole point was, I don't want to seem weak. I'm the mob boss. I'm the boss. Yeah. I can't seem weak. So I have to pick a fight with the strongest motherfucker here to let my crew know I'm back. That moment where he goes to have, again, he goes to have the meeting with Phil, Phil Leotardo and he's still in his hospital robe and he's hooked up to an IV that has the wheels on it so he can walk around. He purposely smokes the cigar to seem powerful, but it's making him weak. It, he's, as he's literally inhaling the cigar, you could see his body physically wanting to throw up. But he's, he's, he's fighting his way through it because he can't seem weak. How do you not like that? You know what? This is going to sound really fucked up on my part, but the scene that I thought was really... That, that, I, re- that I understood, and it's such a small scene. It's that scene where uh, the bartender keeps fucking dropping the calls. He, he keeps... Yeah. He can't, yeah. Get, he can't get the yeah. whole button yeah. right. And when he finally just goes off and smacks the dude with the front. <laughs> right. Dude, how many times have you wanted just for someone who's just doing some fucking bullshit? Right. Just to clock him on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why that scene sticks out to me right. so much, but it sticks out to me. Because I, I, that's when I went, oh, this is just a regular guy. Right. That's who, that's who Tony is. He's a, he's a regular guy, smart businessman, but is in a position in an in a unusual type of business. But he's someone that I relate to because I go through those same emotions. Right. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, bro. <clears throat> um, Renee, much respect to you, brother. Yeah, I'm glad you checked it out at least. Much, much love to you, but uh, you're out of your fucking mind. You're one of those people. Mookie. Matthew Riggins, my fault, Steve. Yo, my fault, Steve, about blaming you about the upload of episode 166. I automatically made you the su- suspect in the rape case with no evidence <laughs> and no witnesses. Now you know how it feels to be a black dude for a day. And he gives a bunch of smile emojis. Uh, but my bad, dog. But that robot voice telling me to suck your balls was hilarious. And it's smiley, not Mookie. Smiling is the stuttering dude in the movie. No, no, listen, dog, you, you're misinterpreting it. I know it's Smiley. Smiley, when he called him Mookie, went, Mookie. So that's what yeah. that's about. Um, but like Mookie, uh, Smiley is a stuttering dude in the movie. But I like Mookie better as a nickname. Mookie sounds like I got a rap sheet. Smiley sounds like I own a strip club and wear cowboy boots. Nah, I'm good. What up, my boys? We almost said 200 episodes. Let's keep this shit rolling. Remember what I said in the in the episode 80? I'm riding with y'all till the wheels fall off. And even when that happens, Andy, get your white ass on the phone and call AAA. Peace, my <laughs> niggas. Um, Mookie, you know what I want you to do? Because I know, I know you're going to write us an email. Address this motherfucker, Renee Rodriguez, about the Sopranos. Because <laughs> I know you're passionate about that shit, too. Um, oh, and then he sends this last part where he goes... Yo, can you give us an episode of straight up black movies from the 90s? Uh, would love to do that. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge for me because I got to dig back in my 90s black bag. 
uh, just to, off the top of my dome. I mean, shit. Every Spike Lee movie in the '90s was a black movie. Yeah. Um, it's but hard. I got to think of more. It, it's going to be tough. For, I didn't watch a lot of movies then because that's when I was uh, racist. No, I was getting married, and oh. I was—I just didn't go to the movies. I was—I right. was at home. With See my, what happens with marriage? You stop doing man shit. Stop doing the things I wanted to do. All right. You don't have to. You just have to find the right person. <sighs> uh, I want to get to the one from my girl, Farrah. Uh, Farrah. She goes, you going to eat your cornbread? Andy. Oh, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andy, for the first time on this journey, I chose to embark on with you and Mr. Spears. I smiled and said, my nigga, when you said that we should have Nat Turner on the money. For the Ethiopian castration, yes, Aries, sliced clits, she puts in parentheses, of a month, this has been hearing a white man say we need to have a fistful of gnats was a bright light at the end of a butthole tunnel. (laughs) Now, if we can't even get the $20 Tubman, I highly doubt we will get some Turner Rebellion currency in my lifetime. However, thank you, Andy, for that thought of paying my mortgage with some massacre killers. Aries, have you been watching Real Time with Bill Maher lately? I ask because since quarantine, his show has really been hard to get through, at least for me. From the fake audience laughter reel to the tone-deaf coronavirus preaching, has it been off or am I bugging? No, you're not, baby, and I'm going to tell you why. Lately, it's turned into this awkward, you're fat and it's your fault, preaching that you get from like Hannity or fucker Carlson off of Fox News. Now, she spelled it F-A-U-X News. What does that mean? Fake news. Is that fake? For fuck news. Fuck news. Oh, okay. That's fuck. uh... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Now, yes, he has always been right about diet and the American obesity problem, but fuck people are dying of COVID that come from many demographics from plump to buttocks. Just wondering your thoughts since you mentioned you are an avid watcher because sometimes I watch and ask myself, am I the only one who thinks this show sucks right now? Yes, Life is one of the most underrated movies in Eddie's collection. I'm the pappy. Ferrer. No, baby, you ain't bugging. And you know what? I, I, I watched the show faithfully and religiously. Um, but since they stopped having an audience, I have not been watching. What I have been doing is fast forwarding all the way to new rules because I love when he does new rules. And then after he does the new rules, he always does like a little monologue. Uh, on the current state of affairs. So I'm not enjoying it at all. I think that when you do a show where there's participation between you and an audience with real laughs, you can't replace that. You can't fake that. And, 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 and trying to do one without the other is like peanut butter without jelly, or, you know, dick without pussy, you know, yin without the yang. They just go together. Um, and even, you know, when they would do the panel discussions, I like hearing other people battle views and count point, counterpoint, opposition, you know, and the answer and the audience still participate in that because when it comes down to it, Bill Maher is a comedian. His show is based on the audience's energy as well as the people on his, uh, is on the panel. Right. So he's always had that. And without it. It seems awkward because he'll tell the jokes. Yeah. Nothing. You know where the laugh is supposed to be. Right. And even if you got the joke, as someone watching on TV, it helps to hear it. Yeah. Which is why, again, when Jamie Masada wanted me to come and do this virtual stand up, I was like, nah, I, I, nah. 
So no, baby, you not you not bugging. Uh, you right on the mark. Um, the dark one. Harlem Nights. I first saw this movie on the CW when it used to be WPIX eleven. Dude, you just brought me back. WPIX eleven. That is straight New York. It's still P. It's still is, P- is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. In the morning. And show movies on the weekends. The part I always remember back then was when Arsenio and his goons tried to kill Eddie, thinking he killed his brother Tommy. Rest in peace. You ain't got no job, Tommy. Especially when they were all shooting where Eddie was, was and his man was shooting with that little piece, with his little piece. And Arsenio was like, stop shooting that little shit, man. I watched that movie again back in 2016. Now, the additional part I immediately remember is when Della Reese, rest in peace, kept cursing Red Fox out off screen. Rest in peace. I don't remember what the exchange were for word like you might, uh, Aries, but I remember I was in tears at how funny his reactions were as well at what she said. Oh, yeah. I also remember when she got her toe shot off. So I say all that to say this. I don't recall anything wrong with the movie. I enjoy it every time I get to see it. Andy, I bet 10 imaginary dollars your response will include, I didn't say. I could make a, if I could make a drinking game based on how much you say, I didn't say. You could probably make t-shirts with that line to sell. By the way, I told Aries this on his Instagram, and I'll say it again this time on air. I could definitely see and hear Aries as Red Fox. Also, Aries, I sent you an email in response to that young fool like you, that young fool like you asked, as well as another one going to depth about that Method Man and Maggie Gyllenhaal scene on the deuce I mentioned. If I can make a suggestion, I would start with the earliest emails to the most recent from old to new. This way, everyone will eventually get theirs read. However, if that's what y'all doing anyway, if that, uh, however, if that's what y'all doing anyways, then forget what I just said. I wouldn't even mind to fuck you, the dark one, or fuck you, Mr. E., which is my actual stage name, the dark one, being one of the many aliases. All right. Love y'all both. Keep it going. Uh, Mr. E, hip hop artist, Bronx, New York. Hey, I'm not going to say fuck you, brother. Got love for you, baby. Um, yeah, man. Listen, I, I enjoy. I enjoy Harlem Nights, too. But just because all the comics are in it uh, and it's an Eddie Murphy movie. But it certainly uh, should have been a lot stronger than it was. And I think I mentioned that. Yeah. I saw it the, the first time. I, when when Coming to America comes on TV, I stop and I watch it. Right. I don't do it for Harlem Nights. Yeah. Harlem Nights is... Like, if I got a Philly cheesesteak, something else got to be on. But if I'm two bites from finished and I run across it, then I can watch it. Um, what else he saying there? I forgot. Uh, oh, the emails. Uh, we try to do the uh, run them back the way we get them in, but some of them lose their uh, the steam. Yeah, because, because they're dated. Yeah, they get dated, so we have based to, on topics too. So we move on. Um, eighties uh, crew. Hold on one second. Oh, 80s Kid Chris. He, I guess he's more or less correcting me. Appreciate you responding to my email. Training Day was released in 2001. 
Brooklyn's Finest was released in 2009. Like I said, continuation, where Ethan Hawke's character moves from L.A. to New York City. I didn't know that. Yeah, I want to see this. Now that he, he pointed it out to me, I would like to see it. Yeah, because I don't even recall Ethan Hawke playing that same character. So if that's truly what that was, the same character, same name, yeah, I have to rewatch that. Uh, thank you, 80s Kid Chris. Um, Vanessa Horner. I want to read this one because she actually sent this to me on Instagram and I told her to send it to me in an email because, uh, you know, I think, you know, whatever Andy's advice, whatever your advice will be and my advice will be, hopefully she could, you know, it'll serve some good. Vanessa Horner, Denver police hates Black Lives Matter. Hi, Aries. Thank you again for taking the time to hear my story. I apologize in advance for the long email. The crazy part is this is this isn't even half of the hell they forced me to endure. My name is Vanessa. I work for the Denver Police Department in Denver, Colorado. I am a National Crime Information Center agent, which is just a fancy term for administrative management. Since I started working for the department in 2017, I haven't known a moment's peace. The section of my division is predominantly white, with the exception of one Hispanic woman. All white staff and all white management that are allowed to get away with murder and then some. I truly have no idea what I was in for. My coworkers are allowed to call me pubic head, tell me that I'm leaving public pubic that I'm leaving pubic hair all over the workstations, that I am cold all the time because it's a black thing, that I don't need to get off a that I need to get off of blackpeoplemeet.com and get back to work and the list goes on. I would just be glancing at my cell phone and they would assume that I was on a black website. And of course, these things would also be said loud enough for everyone to hear. A couple of contractors slash tow drivers for the department wanted to go out with me. They were unrelenting and constantly making sexual remarks to and about me when I politely rebuffed their advances. They said they didn't care because black people are gross anyway and that I was acting too niggerly. Jesus. They continued to say that they were okay with me brushing them off because they did not date porch monkeys. Those colorful remarks were followed up by how black people deserve to get shot I reported the incidents to my supervisors, my sergeants, and my division chief, all white and all hate. I was literally reprimanded because the contractors complained that my attitude was offensive and unprofessional. They say they uh, they did not even flinch when I said that these guys were referring to me as a nigger. I was told that I was brought I brought it on myself and that I was that that I was to correct my conduct immediately or I would receive additional consequences. So from then on out, those guys were allowed to tell me to stop being so niggerish on a regular basis, and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I was beyond hurt about it. Now, let me stop for a second. I'm not even done reading this yet, and I'm fucking shaking my head. Jesus Christ. Um, I speak Spanish fluently, but my supervisors refused to let me take the bilingual exam. This, is, this exam must be taken in order to receive extra pay for translating. Black people don't speak Spanish, I was told repeatedly. So I have been translating for the officers, other staff, and the public for free solely because I am not the right color. I walk with a slight pigeon toe, and staff make fun of me for that. Nothing to them, of course, 
Nothing happens to them, of course, because being white at the Denver Police Department is being all power and invincible. I have a cognitive cognitive disability that requires me to utilize different methods in order to process new information. All of my reasonable accommodations requests were denied. Those same accommodations were granted to my white counterparts. During numerous staff briefings, my coworkers are allowed to openly disagree with me uh, dispa- I'm sorry, disparage me, my disability, and how I shouldn't work there because I'm not normal. My supervisors allow them to go hard on me. I've done, I've had to do everything in my power to keep from crying in front of them. One night, I couldn't contain myself, and I just burst into tears. They literally laughed and laughed harder. I told them to stop, so then I was reprimanded for raising my voice. Even human resources is completely ran by racists, insecure white women. They have repeatedly told me that my claims are unsubstantiated and immediately sided with white staff. They have said that I need to quit being so emotional, too sensitive, and that I'm overreacting. I defend and assert myself. They tell me to stop being so aggressive. They went as far as to accuse me of having violent tendencies because I'm so emotionally unstable. I ask for respect. They tell me to stop being so sensitive. I express my hurt, my frustration. They tell me to uh, do some work on my interpersonal skills and interactions with others. My white coworkers are allowed to take unlimited breaks, leave grounds for food, runs, listen to music, use the officer-only elevator, swift shifts with other staff, and even sleep if they choose to. I'm not allowed any of those things. My boss told me I could use the restroom once per shift and that it needed to, be, needed to be under 10 minutes. So I stopped drinking anything during shift because when I would use the restroom, I would pay for it dearly once I returned. The woman that started the practice of referring to my hair as pubic hair was promoted to supervisor. She never received as much as a verbal reprimand and how and now has an even better position with a huge pay increase. Meanwhile, I was denied the last two raises because they said that my performance was not up to par. Whenever I would report things to HR, I would have, I have always been swiftly uh, retaliated against. My command staff shrugs their shoulders and sends me on the way. One sergeant made a small attempt to help me. Vanessa, listen, um, this is a long email, and I want to say to you that I'm, I'm not continuing reading the email because um, I don't care about your situation. But I don't need to look at a crime scene for longer than necessary to know that it's a crime scene. Um, sweetie, I, wow. Um, I'm, I'm curious to get your insight, Andy, because here's what I'm battling. My first instinct is to tell you that if you are truly going through all of these things, get out of the job. The dilemma I'm having is, well, first, my question to you would be, this is really what you want to do? Like, if this is really what you want to do, be in service, helping people, I would really love to know from you in an email, why are you doing this? If, if this is this your heart and your soul, because if it's your heart and your soul, the last thing I would want to tell anybody is to run, you know, run. Or leave. You, you fight for what you believe in. You fight for what you love. You fight for your passion. You stand your ground. You don't let anybody bully you. And you do the right thing. That's what I'm supposed to tell you. 
But if you are going through, and I didn't even finish reading it, there was a lot more you had to say. But if, and, I, and I'm sure it wasn't going to get better. I don't know what to tell you because I, I want to tell you that if those conditions are that horrific, you got to get out of there. But I don't, but I'm conflicted because if that's your passion and you really want to be in service and help people, I don't know what to tell you is the alternative. I, I think the first thing that I would do to help you um, because of, because the racial uh, discrimination is is obviously evident from her. Yeah, you know. so it's it's all over the place. But if you need to get some help immediately, I would contact the Americans with Disabilities uh, because if you have, uh, especially if you can show that someone else is getting um, uh, what you requested for your um, for for your ability to assist you in your job, and someone else is getting it, and you're not, uh, these 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 guys are on it and. Uh, if you, uh, uh, th- they will take care of you. This is, I, 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 I don't want to say, I don't want to say there's no race involved in it because I, I believe that. But that, take care of her how? Uh, because she said that she's not getting the, she's requested things to help her with her job. Right. Because of her cognitive disability. Right. The Americans with disability, they don't fuck around. And I, like I said, I, they're not, I don't believe, I always believe there's racial aspects and everything, but I don't think that that's really where they're coming from. They're coming to do, get service for people that have a disability. And if you're getting mistreated uh, as someone with a disability, uh, that's the first person I would contact, the first group that I would contact to get some help because they're going to come in and uh, they're going to mess with them because if you, uh, if what you're saying is how you're presenting this to me right now, uh, that's the first person I would contact. I think that's the, the first the group of people that I would contact because I think that's there for you. Two, um, you have all this. If you have, do you have, I don't know if you have this documented, like dates and when these things occurred. Uh, if you haven't, I would keep, I would start doing that. And, um, you know, I, I, I talk about Sean King a lot and he has a lot going on with his grassroots law project. I would send him something just so you have it on record with him because as he compiles things about what's going on in, police departments all over the country. That would be uh, good information for him to have and possibly be able to give you some better direction because uh, we're not lawyers. I can't really tell you what to do. I think your situation is horrible. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for your situation. But those are the only two things off the top of my head that I, 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 that I could say, do these immediately. Uh, but the Americans disability, find out who your rep is in your area out there, and I would contact them immediately and see if they can help you. The thing that sounds most fucked up to me is that the people who she's supposed to be able to go to for help. But they're all white. I know, but that, yeah, they're all white, but also they're the ones she can't go to. Yeah, she can't go to them. And, That's insane. And they're promoting uh, the same people that she has complaints about. So she has, she, there's no one to go over, to, over the, even over them because those are the people. That were her problem at one time. Um, I mean, you don't deserve this. And so, going back to what Ari said, if, if there's a better place for you to be, man, I would I would go there. But I would definitely file all the complaints that you can. It's not right how you're being treated. You know that. I know that. It didn't have to be said. But um, sometimes it's good to hear someone else say it, so you don't have to feel. Yeah, and, and like I said, sweetie, send me an email, and and I, I really want to know because again, most people don't live their passion they 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 live you know they live with they they, they live within a, a life without choice without options they just do what, what they what they need to do instead of what they want to do 
So what's your passion? If you're a painter, if you're an artist, whatever your passion is, pursue it, baby. Fuck that shit. Pursue your dreams. That's why I'm curious to know, is this something you wanted to do? Did you, did you set out going, I want to work for the Denver Police Department. I want to be in service. I want to help people. If that's your thing, you know, I don't know Denver. I, I don't know if there's another place you can go to do that. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk to you more. So please uh, stay in contact with me via email. Uh, again, I wish I had a, the perfect answer for you because, goddamn, that sounds horrific. Um, but I'll give you some advice. When you do quit, if you quit, and I really hope you do, <laughs> when you do quit, your last day, shave all your pubic hair off and whatever's in the refrigerator that's dark colored, smear your shit on everything. I knew you were going to come up with something good like that. I just smear your pubic hair everywhere. Make sure everyone in that department knows what your pussy tastes like. And while you're at it, mail me some of it. <laughs> I'd like to know what your pubic hair tastes like. Tim Doyle, 846. Hey, yo. Your only USPS mailman checking in again, delivering options. Um, listen to the last pod and watched Dave Chappelle's 846. Fucking powerful. You had it all wrong, though. You said you saw him get emotional out of his element only a couple times. He was emotional through the whole thing. Randomly standing up and down out of his seat. Fiddling with his notebook, struggling to light his cigarette. Granted, he was outside, but that wasn't comic Dave. That was human being Dave. Not going to lie, emotional, he puts in caps. Don't dig down to try to find the funny. He did the master, he did the master of comedy. He is and made us laugh. His message, though, I'm stuck on his message. Glad to hear you guys are back doing your thing. Snobby English accent, $10 a lot of currency. Sometime you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Dr. Seuss, much love, Tim Doyle. Um, I think he was commenting on how I said there was two times that he... Uh -huh. Is that what... Dude, I, 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 I read the email, and then I watched it again, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. uh, I've watched it several times, but I watched it after I listened to his email. Right. And uh, you don't do stand-up, is what I'm going to tell you. I watched Dave and his character... <laughs> Yeah, he was emotional. Uh, there was an emotion through it. He also hadn't done comedy in 77 days. He, he, and if you watch Dave, he gets up, he moves around. That's not abnormal for Dave. But uh, there was emotion in this the whole way through. But that's what I'm saying. He hit certain points where you found it, where I heard it, to be out of Dave. Because Dave has a, has a way of delivering in a certain way. And he even, whether he's emotional or not, I heard that. You could still hear the emotion even if you're delivering in a certain way. But there was a couple points in there, and that's what I said on that last podcast. So, you know, we all take from it what you hear. You heard an emotional Dave. That is truly, that is true. I, it was emotional the whole way through. But there was these moments as a comedian that I, saw, I, I felt a little extra from Dave that I saw right. as a comedian that maybe you didn't see. But uh, that's not the point. The point was it was an unbelievable, um, 
I don't even want to say a comedy. It was an unbelievable statement from a comedian right. that had a powerful message and still presented it with enough humor that right. people were able to get through that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's brilliant. So there's really nothing to argue about. Um, but I agreed. I think it was, it was a powerful, emotional message. Hear, hear. That means I don't have anything to say on it, but I agree with Andy wholeheartedly. Um, oh, I'm going to like this next one. This is for you, Andy. Someone after me? The, the Diaz, Diaz brothers, they come to get me. Mike Cooper. And he puts in big, bold letters, what the fuck is wrong with Andy? Aries, I know damn well Andy didn't listen to all that shit Cuomo said and then tried to compare niggas to Mexicans. Bunch of LOLs. As messed up as the Spaniards did them, show me where the Mexicans make up 13% of the population and 40% of the prison population. Show me the slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, fucked up bank practices, and voter suppressions for Mexicans. And don't they and don't they did it to all of us, me neither. You want to stop? Yeah, I got to stop for a second. Okay. Because uh, he said comparing. I, I, we weren't comparing. Aries had, uh, and there, the only time I gave a comparison is when I talked about the language. And so I, put, I, I made the comparison of, uh, in language so that it was understood that if someone was here uh, for a longer amount of time, they would have better, con- better command of the language than someone who just got there. But as comparison to uh, hardships, there was no comparison. I wasn't saying, there was nothing, nowhere when I said, uh, Mexicans have gone through as much as you have, so that's too bad. There was no, there, none of that was, was said. So where you already heard what you wanted to hear, and you're already on a run right now. So I'm going to sl- slow you down a little bit before Aries gets too far into this and say that was not a comparison. But I want you to understand, because you have gone, because black folks in this country have gone through the most horrible hardships, doesn't mean that other people haven't gone through hardships. Now, do we want to get into levels? Is that what you're trying to say? Or do you have empathy and compassion for other people that also have gone through hardship? That was my point in the conversation. So let's move on. Let's, let's see what else you got for me. Um, show me where there were institutions built and currently maintain that, and he puts the word in caps, purposely went out of their way to exclude Mexicans. Cuomo said some shit that fucked me up about the highways. I live in Atlanta. Anybody who knows anything about the city can tell you about the Mechanicsville area. When I lived there, I, caps, stayed missing my exit to get home and couldn't for the life of me understand why there was only one exit. Mechanicsville is dead smack in the middle of downtown, damn near prime real estate. It never occurred to me until literally right now that there was only one exit on Highway I-20 for Mechanicsville, and it's not even on both sides of the highway. That was done on purpose. Our transit, Marta, is trash. It goes nowhere. Guess what? And he puts in caps, not by accident. Recently, Marta was trying to expand to more counties in Georgia outside the metro area. Ironically, the people who live the furthest away and would benefit the most from a more robust public transit system voted no. Guess what other common trait people who live out in those areas have? I'll wait. Andy, I don't know what's worse. The argument where you said that it's racist to want someone to speak your language when you are paying for their services or the fact you tried to play black people as if we white manned up Mexicans. Usually I laugh at your pedanticness, 
oh, a pedanticness, not a word, LOL. But, bro, you got to chill. Michael Cooper. Uh, and then I wrote him an email going, I can't wait to see what Andy says. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you totally missed my point. First of all, if we really go back to some of the emails, one of the things that I'm most disappointed in my uh, Hispanic heritage, my Mexican heritage, because that's what it is, it's Mexican, uh, that we don't really stand with blacks as, as a culture. We never really have. And I said that was disappointing to me. So what you're saying, you, if you... I take my soundbite from a conversation that we were very specific on. Yeah, I guess maybe you have an argument, but not if you listen to us overall. Uh, I've always made that very clear. Two, uh, the idea that uh, I said that someone doesn't have to speak the language, that's the law. What I said was that we don't know what part of the journey she was in, and she may very well have come here under whatever her circumstances is, working, trying to make money, and trying to learn the language at the same time. We don't know. You don't know. That was my point. When we ever, whenever we look at someone else, we should always consider what their journey is because we don't know. When we're aggravated with someone, we don't know what their journey is. Now, if they're fucking with you, that's a whole nother part, uh, a whole nother point. But this lady that Aries was speaking of was cleaning another room. She wasn't fucking with Aries. She just couldn't give Aries what he wanted. And that was the point of the conversation. Now, if she would have turned around to him and said, I don't do no black rooms, we would have a different conversation right now. She said that, I'd have died. Okay, so so <laughs> that's that's not the conversation. You're misinterpreting what I was talking about. We don't do no black rooms. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different story, I think, yeah, then, at yeah. that point, okay? That's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I... I, I Empathy, brother, is what I'm thinking that you're missing in, in the conversation. And, I, and when you did say that about everything that you've gone through in this country, I want you to know, and as much white privilege as I have, and I embrace it wholeheartedly, I take my white privilege, I get it, I try to give back what I can, but here's the thing. Everybody who lives in this country, as horrible as your situation is in this country, as much as you went through, you might have privilege over someone else in another country. So empathy is important. There's people in other countries that are being mistreated uh, and never, ever have a chance, never even get to speak out, nothing. So not that I want to minimize what's happening here. That's not my point in what I'm trying to say right now. I'm trying to say empathy is important for all people. That's how one of the reasons we should, what makes us human. That was the only point in that story. And I wanted to make sure Aries understood that it was the empathy that he was missing for that lady is the reason it allowed him to get so mad. That was it. Well, there we go. Uh, I'm sure, Michael, Mike, you're going to have something else to say. I smell a battle brewing. Yeah, send it. Send it, because I'd like to hear it. Uh, I'm going to read another one he wrote, but this one is more towards me and uh, the Dave Chappelle thing. Mike Cooper, Wrath of God. Aries, when you asked where was the wrath of God during many points of history where terrible things happened, I wish I could have sat in that room, fam. I wish I could have sat in that room. Fam, and he puts in caps, spoke the fucking truth. When Dave said it, I agreed with him. I agreed with a strong, mm, like I felt that type grunt. Now, But now that you have essentially rebutted that point, I have to unagree with Chappelle and agree with you. Not that you're trying to oppose the goat. Dare I not oppose the king, sire? I don't know if y'all have watched it. But the show American Gods on Stars has a fire clip 
that addresses this question in part. In my opinion, Orlando Jones' portrayal of the God was too well acted. That might be what helped him to get fired. If you haven't seen this already, I encourage you click the link below. Michael Cooper. Have you ever seen that show? No, but I, I want to see it. I, I, I'm so interested in seeing all these shows that people are telling me about because they all sound right. fantastic, but I don't, I don't have that, that time. Yeah, I never caught that show. Uh, yeah, that, I think it was on Stars, right? Yeah, I think it was. Right. I can't wait to, you know, you just said that about Michael Cooper sending me letters. I can't wait to all the letters I get when I just spoke on Privilege. I'm going to get so many. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, very rarely do things get your whiskers dancing. Well, I, I was just thinking about all the the uh, the white actors that did those, that commercial. What commercial? The commercial about I Take Responsibility commercial. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, man, Andrew Schultz just did a fucking shout-out to Andrew Schultz, man. He's been writing, doing these little, um, like, Instagram posts, but like right. three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Right. And... Uh, what are white actors just saying they're yeah, sorry? Yeah, I take responsibility for 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 everything. It's 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 so disingenuous. And then he brought up how uh, 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 you could tell that they're reading on the prompts, and I didn't even know that. That's what a big shout out to Andrew Schultz for saying that. And then I then I went back and I watched, and you could see them looking over, and not even knowing their lines. Listen, uh, fuck I, that. I, Put niggas in movies if you want to help. Yeah. Put niggas in the pictures. Ch- change the change the culture. Don't, don't taking responsibility. Take responsibility by your actions, not by your fucking not letters. If you want to help the blacks, put them in the pictures. Um. Oh, this is from Australia. Kiana K. Greetings from Sydney, Australia. That's as good as my Australian accent gets. Yes. Mate and Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you don't ever watch any of those uh, what were those that, the movie with Crocodile Dundee oh those back in the 80s yeah you didn't ever watch those to get your accent accent one done? of those no okay what was his real name uh, Paul something Paul Hogan Paul Hogan yeah yeah awesome Jeez, I can't believe I remember that yeah um, greetings from a Kenyan living down under oh this nigga's African but lives in Australia damn okay I am African living in Australia, down under. Thanks for the podcast. I'm a recent listener and bumped onto the podcast after I just, oh, after just before the COVID lockdown. I've enjoyed every moment of the banter and the occasional controversy sparked. In the last three months or so, I've binged on the podcast going as far back as time permitted. Also, To be brief, my brother, in regards to your post regarding the cleaning lady and her command of English, I get what you meant by your remarks, but didn't necessarily agree with you. Well, fuck you, Mike. (laughs) No, I'm joking. We can't agree on everything. I agree that it is advantageous to have a certain command of the language of your clientele. My observation of the reaction you got may have been perception of a marginalized person going after another marginalized person. Aren't we meant to punch up? Uh, (laughs) A while back before marriage, I was given good advice. You either want to be married or you want to be right. Laugh out loud. This has saved me on numerous occasions. I simply evaluate whether it's worth getting truth across and coming across as an ass or simply keep quiet for the sake of sanity in the house. In your case, I suspect that being right 
got ahead of being married to some of your fans. You're a cool cat, and I'm sure this will all fade away. Just don't dig yourself any deeper as you appear to do in your latest podcast. When the fuck did I appear to dig myself deeper? I don't know. You always seem to appear to dig deeper. Lastly, I know you're a mad Jordan fan. I used to enjoy the NBA before switching to soccer, uh, football, and then he puts in parentheses soccer. Basketball was always deemed a rich kid sports and rich kid sport, and there weren't that many courts. I gotta stop you right there. Basketball is a poor kid sport. I mean, niggas come up and get in the NBA because it's a basketball hooping at an early age. How is that a rich kid sport? All you need is a ball. Yeah, and you can play by yourself. You don't even need anybody else. Yeah. As for soccer, any open space is a soccer field. Sorry I can't offer much banter regarding basketball, but if you ever want to kick the ball in Sydney, at least you know you're there. You know we're there. One love and all the best, especially now you've both started on the circuit. My regards to Andy. Big up, fam. Uh, Cephas, pronounced as Kephas, in case you butcher my name on the podcast. Kephas. Cephas, S-E-P-H-A-S, I guess is his name but it's pronounced Kephas um, I think that's what they call niggas in South Africa no I'm not being funny Kephas I learned oh, that yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from Lethal Weapon Web- 2 yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah Kepha yeah but it, um, you know he's looking at basketball like in a in a stadium or like on hardwood floors that's not how we grow up nah, playing basketball nah, we, nah. man we had a, in my neighborhood we had a hoop in the street yeah, uh, you know, right on the you play Sometimes right on the asphalt. No nets, just the yeah, rim. Just the rim. Uh, this one dude had a a piece of wood and a, um, a rim from a bicycle, <laughs> <laughs> and it was mounted on it was mounted on their uh, roof of their house on the side, and we right. used to play on that. Yeah, bro. No, 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 no. Not by any means. See, you don't know that because you're in Australia. I just wanted to keep saying that. Yeah, you know, but we probably think about it the same way here because I always see nice soccer fields out here that right. people play on, you know, with the nice green grass and all. Right. But he's, you know, playing the same way. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, it's cultural difference. You ever been curious about Australia? Yeah, I'd like to go there. Yeah? Yeah. I think I'm, I'm a little curious about it. I don't know about the, what is it, like 14-hour plane flight? 14 hours? Nigga, it's 24. Because we're in the south and... Uh, Mississippi! And uh, Mississippi, Trump is coming down to the to this to the south. Is he? He's here today. Not not in Mississippi. I thought he, he was in Tulsa today. He's Tulsa. That's the south, isn't it? It's the Midwest. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Where is Oklahoma? That oh, south. it is. No, it is Midwest. It is yeah. Midwest. But it's 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 still it's just north of where we are. Right. Okay. So in the same area. Sorry. Uh, and he's going to Tulsa of all places. Right. And he switched the date from June, from the, from, uh, June 19th, because that's Juneteenth, yeah. which he is now claiming that he... Made popular. He made Juneteenth popular. Yeah. <sighs> Niggas can't have shit. Y'all just take and take and take. Uh, I, I was... You know, I never even call him the orange guy because I, I, I just I, I try to find some, and it's 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 so much less. And then this COVID, 
and not having. I saw on the news. It said breaking news. Six of his staffers that are working the rally tested positive for COVID. Not wearing masks. This man is the most dangerous motherfucker on the planet. With just ignorance, he's the dangerous person. Just ignoring facts. And his legion of minions, just, they are following him into the gates of hell. And it is unbelievable to me that this is... It's still unbelievable to me. And I know like that's what a lot of black people get mad at me about on, on this podcast and hit me up because I shouldn't think – because you've seen it coming and I still say it's unbelievable. I still just cannot – to me, I can't – but then what was the most popular show during this COVID thing? The most popular show? It was on TV, the the Lion. the, the Oh, Tiger King. Tiger King. Tiger King is really just like a, a gay poor Trump. Okay, I'm you know, listening. no, he's just he's a showman, right? He's running a circus, yeah, and yes. and now I get it, I really get it because this country just loves bullshit like that. We went in lockdown, and everybody watched all those episodes for like two weeks. That's all anybody talked about. Right. Right. We love this circus. We love the circus, and Trump is the fucking what did they call the circus man? The, the cir- ringleader. The ringleader. It's what he is. It's it's. it's it, I'm done. Um. Okay. So today I ordered a pizza, and again we miss it. Uh, the lady. The first time I heard it, I thought I was tripping, but then she said it again, even clearer. Can I have your screech? Address? She said, Screet. Okay, let me do this. <laughs> I'm not going to do what's bad for business. Do not. I'm not. Um, but I just would like to explain myself. This podcast is called The Jew and the Jerk. And I, listen, I'm not setting out to be a jerk, um, but I love honesty. Um, so to better describe who I am, cause I'm not trying to be a jerk. This is the thing. And I know I poke fun and I want to officially say this on the record. I don't have a problem with Southern people. I like the people. They're very nice. Hospi- what was that word? Hospitable. Very, very nice. Here's why. I, and I'm guilty of this and I'm admitting this. I'm very biased against anything that's not East Coast. And listen, you are who, you are where you are from. And I like the people. But the energy of the South, the speed of the South, the culture of the South, as a city guy, it's hard, it's, it's hard for me to embrace this. Just because I like speed, I like energy. I like a swagger. I like quickness. I, I, to me, there's something about a quickness. Um, them New York cities, boss. 
Tell them about the gun line, ball. Hey, how much it costs to turn one of my whites only pads into nigger pads? Um, that's all. I, I just, you know, and there's a culture down here where I, I just, it's hard for me to adapt. Uh, and but that's, that's I'm Paul Wall, baby. What you knew about me? Um, but that's that draw that you're talking about. That southern draw. Right. It, it, it's not just it's it's black and white. It's okay. I, I had I had a, an Uber driver, white dude, pick me up in his truck. I didn't understand it, half the stuff he was saying. Well, here's what's interesting, and I know I've asked this question to you before, and you gave me the same answer that the crowd gave me when I asked it last night. I said, guys, the way we talk, New Yorkers, East Coasters, do we sound funny to y'all the way y'all do to us? And everybody went, yeah. So I get that. Like, I get accents. You know, if you're from there and you're born there and you live there, and I hate to use the word normal because it almost makes it seem like you're saying if you don't, speak this way you're abnormal there's something wrong with you so i don't want to use the word normal i want to use the word right but this ain't even about that because accent i'm talking about accents for a minute like people from maryland don't say maryland they say merlin baltimore merlin so if you're from merlin that's right to you Bostonians, they stretch their A's. Ba, ca, patty. You see John, he's down at the bar having a patty. That's what they do. Southerners, y'all say her. They write the her. I'm not mad at that. But Screet, where they is, how much that CD was, that's not an accent. That's just not right. But where do you get "street" out of "street"? It's the it's in the no 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 no. You don't. Need, how do you stumble upon "sk" when it's "struck"? I I don't know. I I don't. I, I just okay. Just you know, and I'm not trying to shit where I eat. I'm Putin right now. I think the thing that bothers you the most about it, though. Yes, I, I just I just thought about this, and I could be completely wrong. Especially because, as a black man, you hear that accent, and it takes you back to the movies where you see the what is it the the, the famous line that you like to recite? Ten dollar, a lot of money, right? So when it takes you back to that, it makes you, it, it brings you back to that whole time period. Mentally, and that's frustrating for you because that, you, that's how we're viewed. That's what I'm trying. That's I'm trying to. I'm trying to white guy say what that we, that. You know what, Andy? I'm glad you said that because you know what, I wouldn't have said that, and I think that's what needs to be said because I, it's not like like you know this is not about I'm better than you. This is not about that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. This is not about. People from the East Coast are better than people from the South. It's not about that. It's not about I'm smarter than you. But I have, like, I I sent out a post 
where I said exactly that. I ordered a pizza. The girl said screech. Then I used eight emojis of just the eyes open, like in shock. I deleted the post 30 minutes after I put it up because it just came to me. This is almost going to be like the made post where you're going to have all these Spanish people coming at you for being insensitive and racist. You don't want your own people coming for you. Like, nigga, who do you think you are and blah, blah, blah. So I took it down. And one dude said to me, uh, and, and, and granted, nine out of ten were people laughing, laugh emojis. But one dude said to me, hey, man, that's the way they talk down there. It's no different than speaking another language. I can't accept that. Because, it, again, it's not like regional Merlin, Patty. That's 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 an accent. But who they, where they is, how much that CD was, and Screet, you are defending horrible articulation. That is not how you pronounce. That's not, that's not how you articulate. And that's wrong. And, and I, my thing is, why are you supporting that? But cult- that's, it's ignorance. No, but culturally, that's been here for. It, just because it's been there, don't make it right. I'm not disagreeing with you, but again, um, and, and um, Mr. Cooper, I'm empathizing with a, uh, a do you want to call it, what would it be, a dialect? Is it, because uh, you it's said. A dialect, it, yeah. yeah. That's, that's it's, but it's been here for years. And it, again, when I said it's not just, it's not just one segment of the population. I, it crosses over people that live but here But when a something's time. not right, don't you correct it? Those statues have been here for years, but we're taking those down, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. We should change so, some So just, be, just because it's been there, don't make it right. Yes. And, 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 and when you say things like that, to me, if, if black people didn't have that stigmatism, then I probably wouldn't mean shit. But when that stigmatism exists... And I can already hear some black people going, Why the, who gives a fuck what white folks think? It ain't about what they think. It's just about why do it incorrectly? It makes you look unintelligent. You want to present better. You just don't you want to, like, why, why are you defending sounding unintelligent? But again, when you say that, and I said this already, it's not just black folks that sound like that here. White okay. folks sound like it too. But so they don't have the stigmatism. That's where we're at. That's what I want. That's precisely what the conversation was, where we are. And I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I don't always say things right. I, and, and listen, let me be clear. People from up north say wow shit too. Um, so I don't just want to make it like it's just the south, but but you're seeing it from the perspective of the history yes. that comes with it. Yes. That's, yes. that's fair. That's fair to leave it just like that. The other thing that I'll say that's when you said hospitable is I do uh, – I found it very interesting that anytime uh, a black person uses the N-word around me, right. they do say they're sorry in <laughs> front of me. <laughs> <laughs> we should give that some context. <laughs> I know it needs it because everybody's like, "What the fuck is it?" Right. But uh, I just thought that was funny because it's 
I, but I have had that out, it happen out in the South more than one time. Right. And the content, do you want to give the context or you want me to give the context? Long story short, uh, the, the club owner's son uh, at the club we're performing at down here, we were all driving from the club to the hangout spot last night. And he kept, he and I were having a, well, we were all having a conversation. And he kept dropping the N-bomb. And then just before we got out the car, I felt the need to apologize to Andy <laughs> for speaking in such manner but in front I, of company. In front of company. I love the, the whole – so that right. it, it, it cleared everything up. Right. But what I loved about it is – what's funny about it to me is that when I'm on the East Coast or – you know, it, it, uh, this happens to me all the time because right. of the people that I'm around and people speak freely in front of me. And I never get the apology. I just get the look where you know you – that's ours. Right. Better not. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and here I get, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that in front of company. Right. So it's, you know, that's how hospitable it is out here. Yes. For me. Um, before we get off this, uh, much love to my man, D.L. Hewley. Um, I heard he's going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, he just, I guess it was exhaustion. Um, just exhaustion. You've been busy right now. Yeah, yeah. He's so, uh, but big shout out to my man. I, I text him and told him, brother, I love you. If you need anything, I hope you're all right. Holla at your boy. Um, uh, I saw the footage. Uh, I was glad it was just that. Yeah. Because I was like, I know, I mean, I don't know no DL. Nobody really knows, knows you, what you do in your most private moments. But I, I didn't, just, I'm like, I know DL don't do no drugs and no fucked up shit. Uh, so, what the fuck could that be about? But so, you know, unfortunate that it happened, but thank goodness it was just what it was. Yeah, when you saw it, it was very, it's very, it looks scary. Yeah. And, you know, great. I'm glad that he's doing well. Yeah. And they just kept him overnight to check him out, and he's supposed be to be back on that grind. So, yeah. Uh, so that's it for this, right? I think that's it. Okay. Uh, well, folks, um, tomorrow we will give you uh, some more emails. Uh, so be safe on whatever street you live on, uh, and take care. We're out. Can you feel it, baby?